Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello there and welcome to Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. It wouldn't be an episode of this show without the serial killer whisperer. Amanda, the other day on my Ben, Rob and Robbo show, I referred to you as the serial killer whisperer and my co-host Ben didn't know what that meant. He said, (laughs) does she whisper to serial killers? And I said... No, it's like the horse whisperer. She communicates with serial killers and gets information out of them. He was quite confused. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, sometimes it doesn't take much. And and if you aren't yeah. in this world, <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's a very different place to be. So, you know, it's it's like when I'm, when I'm introduced to people at parties and they ask what I do, I sort of have to look at them and sort of profile them very quickly to, to know if I tell them that, I'm the serial killer whisperer, or if I tell them, oh, I have an office job. So, you know, it just depends. (laughs) Well, you never know with some people. Exactly. Um, So this week we're doing Jodie Arias, Amanda. Yes, we are. So um, this is one that I was going to do later, but um, when we did the recording we were going to do and you being the professional that you are said, no, this sounds not good enough. So um, I had to sort of jump in and do this case and I think it's going to be an interesting journey. You know, we've got 10 hours of tapes to go through and I've done a fair whack of them. So it's a very different place to where I thought it was. Yeah, it's fascinating. I I must say I'm actually glad we've ended up doing this one. Uh, I'm really intrigued by it. (laughs) But that's coming up shortly on Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. In the meantime, let's get into the news. And a nursing assistant has admitted murdering seven US military veterans with insulin injections after initially denying the charges laid against her. Rita Mays changed her stance after realising evidence was mounting against her. The victims were murdered between July 2017 and July 2018. The serial killer has refused to say why she went on her spree and was only caught when her intended eighth victim survived the murder attempt. Amanda, the big question is why, but once again, it's someone who is in charge of looking after people. Yes, and and there's actually two types of serial killers. So we have the serial killers um, that are known as angels of death and we also have angels of mercy. So she will be probably one of these two. So she's either someone who just enjoyed killing people and did so purely because she wanted to or there's those that believe that these people will be better off dead because, you know, these are um, elderly people and so they do it as a mercy killing. um, Although considering the eighth victim survived, it would seem as though this was not out of mercy. Yeah, well, you would think so, but I, I... 
unfortunately, we're not going to get much out of this case purely because she has admitted her guilt. So uh, all that that Yoshi comes out on public record in, in the courts is not going to happen. So uh, it may be a while. Maybe I'll need to contact her and talk to her myself. Be interesting. Well, keep us up to date if you do because at the moment, as we said, she has not revealed her motivations. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Meanwhile, the family of an American man being investigated for several cold case killings think that he was involved in the infamous Templeton Woods murders. According to the Daily Record, relatives believe he could have been involved in the deaths of Carol Lennon and Elizabeth McCabe in 1979 and 1980. The man passed away four years ago, but investigators are looking at DNA databases and genealogical research in a bid to solve at least two Californian murders. DNA evidence has come to the rescue or could come to the rescue again, Amanda. It will, but this is such a confusing article. Uh, it says at the beginning of the article that the suspected serial killer died four years ago. Later f- and further down in the article, it says that he died last year and he died at 72, but they're not going to identify the man. So we don't know if he's just a suspect in other cases or if he was convicted in these other cases. But now that he's dead, it's only that the family has gone through papers. So now they're sort of linking him through through them, through a family line, uh, to these um, victims all over the world. So it's it's quite strange. I mean, these are in, in Templeton Woods, Scotland, and he's been apparently linked to a couple of California cases. Um, going into this a bit further, there is some suggestion that he could have been um, Dennis Nielsen, it could have been Peter Sutcliffe, as well as oh. the Zodiac. So, you know, there's a lot of names being thrown around, but the people that know aren't showing their cards just yet. So this is going to be an interesting one to watch. Well, as we will continue to do so and bring you up to speed as new details come to hand. A 45-year-old man has been charged with the cold case murder of a 71-year-old woman in Adelaide more than 22 years ago. Phyllis Harrison was stabbed to death in March 1988 in her Elizabeth South home with the property ransacked after the attack. Assistant Commissioner Peter Harvey said the arrest followed identification of new evidence and advances in forensic evidence. This is quite interesting, Amanda. Yes, and it's more interesting because we've actually covered this case before because this man has been arrested before for this mm. same case and um, we can't go in, into too much detail because it is an open investigation, but it is possible that this victim is linked to two others and the suspect lived nearby. So it's it's one of those cases that keeps coming and going, keeps coming and going. It's, it's like the um, the baby deaths in England where a nurse has been arrested twice for those cases as well and still 18 months later we're, we're looking for any sort of closure. So the fact that this guy's been arrested again doesn't mean that it's going to go forward. But as they've said, there is new evidence, so hopefully this is enough now to hold him and hopefully it's enough to link the other two possible cases. Thank you very much, Amanda. Uh, We will have more news next week. Now, before we move on, tell me what you're doing with Patreon because you've started doing something very interesting on the Facebook page as well. (laughs) Well, as most people know, I'm I'm a bit of a freak for Facebook and I'm on that more than anything else. And uh, because we we have issues with the single user and and, and the robots that tell us that I'm not allowed (laughs) into the account under your name, um, I thought, well, I would open up a Patreon-only Facebook group. So I've done that. It's private and secret. No one can find it so uh, they just need to let me know in one of the open groups uh, that they're in the um, Patreon group and I can let them in that way and I'm actually going through a lot of things like we're going to be breaking down these cases that that we do on 
the channel and we're also going through some of the cases that are coming up. Like I let them know that that we're doing Jodie Arias this week before it even started. So some of them do like to get a jump on these and start to watch the videos themselves purely. So then when I point out things I've noticed that they can actually go back and, and look at them as well. So it's worth it for, for those Patreon subscribers, $10 and up, um, that they sort of get an extra secret sort of one-on-one with me kind of thing, though it's a group, and and we get to chat a bit more in depth. I mean, I'm still very active on our open groups, but that's just sort of a little extra bonus for our Patreon subscribers. Yeah, and there's a lot of good information there, and what it's doing at the moment is sort of replacing those additional content, although we still plan on doing those, but this is a way of making sure people get their money's worth and and get this extra access to you, which I think is just fantastic. So uh, a very good idea, Amanda. Thank you, Robert. Yeah, it was. If if Patreon didn't keep saying to me, "Are you really Robert McKnight?" Um, <laughs> no, maybe I could have had more access there. But it's so you know, it's so frustrating it's because they really it only is. allow one user, and unless you go into this premium thing, which is like a yeah. hundred bucks yeah. a month or something, and it's just like. Yeah. We don't yeah. have $100 a month, unfortunately. <laughs> so. so anyway, that's yeah. go to patreon.com slash confessions for more of that. And if you are on Patreon and on the $10 tier or more and haven't approached Amanda about access to this Facebook group, please do so and she will make yes, sure you get do. in. All yeah. right, in a moment, our psychological profile is coming your way. These interviews are a little different. Let's go for it. Let's cut some throats. And they are very, very honest. And I do believe that that was the real beginning of us breaking up. It's a celebration of media with tall tales you have to hear to believe. Simon used to fly up into a rage. Join media executive Rob McKnight for a brand new podcast where you never know what will be revealed next. McKnight Tonight, part of the TV Black Box podcast feed. Born inside, born in. This week we start our mini-series on domestic killer Jodie Arias. Now Amanda, we've gone through nine hours of tape for this one and there is a lot to get through, but let me just start with the background of the case before we head into the analysis. On June 4, 2008, 30-year-old Travis Alexander was murdered by his ex-girlfriend, Jodie Arias. They had spent part of the day together, they had sex and took photos of each other. Once they were finished, Travis headed to the shower where Arias took several more photos before she attacked. Travis was stabbed at least 27 times with a knife that severed his carotid artery, his jugular vein and his throat. He also sustained numerous defence injuries to his hands as he tried to fight off Arias. As he slumped into the bottom of the shower, Arias shot him in the head. Amanda, you've come to this case from a very different stance this week. You said you don't understand how she can be so hated when on the surface it appears she killed an abusive partner. Yeah, well, I mean, when I started this case, and it's one of the reasons that I've delayed doing it, is that to me... Um, she was a victim of domestic violence in, in this relationship and that this was sort of a self-defence attack. And so um, being a, a victim of that myself in a previous relationship, um, mm. it sort of clouded my judgment a bit and I sort of thought I'm not going to be able to do this case justice. Um, but, you know, I thought this would be an opportunity for me to talk about victims that become killers. But I can tell you... Um, Doing these tapes, I am coming to understand why people hate her so much. So far, 
there has been nothing to suggest that he was violent towards her and then in fact it was actually more so the opposite way around so you know you never know when you come to these cases so your opinion has changed during the course of this investigation yeah, I mean, I always try to come to, to things with an open mind. You know, I, I don't want to come in with a, a sense of judgment because I think doing that uh, creates an issue because then you sort of look for things that are only one-sided. So, um, you know, and I knew the general consensus on, on this case and I knew that mine was different. So I just sort of had to sort of put all of that, that aside and try to go to it completely raw and I'm glad I have because you know though my own experience could have caused a bias I've been able to have my mind changed and I've been able to see that what I thought the case was about was completely wrong. And you've actually corresponded with Jodie what's your opinion of her? Yeah, I mean, that's that that's crazy that I've actually corresponded with her when I thought I knew the case and this has, has proved I didn't. But um, I found her to be like what I found in these tapes. She's very immature. She's um, sort of flighty and sort of goes all over the place. I mean, her letters look like that she's a teenage girl, you know, with love hearts for eyes and all that sort of stuff. And so when I sort of juxtapose this innocent victim girl and the person that, that we meet and these tapes, it's a very different person and it just shows how well she played the game. Well, let's get into it. There's a lot to unpack in this one and we have a soundbite from her interrogation, which was the first thing you spotted. It's kind of silly, but I used to always joke that um, regardless of what the Bible says, and yes, I'm Christian, I just live my life by the Ten Commandments and that's my, those are my roles, da, 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 da. You know, thou shalt not this or that, but it doesn't say thou shalt not. So I just used to joke about that. Okay, this is interesting. Uh, An odd place to start. You usually start somewhere near the beginning. Why have we sprung... Why have you chosen this as the springboard into the case? Well, I find that here she's actually saying three things by by being very brief about her Christianity. So um, she is being extremely manipulative already without being overt. So she's saying, you know, one, I'm a good Christian girl, therefore I must be innocent. You know, I follow the Ten Commandments, so, you know, thou shalt not kill, so then I must be innocent. And there is no commandment against fornication. So really I'm a bad girl, but because I'm a Christian, it, it negates all of that. So, you know, this is proving how she's going to talk and how she's going to manipulate the game and the interview to to um, meet her narrative. But thankfully, we have a fantastic officer in this case that is going to just see through all of it. Okay, well, let's head to the beginning of the first tape of the interrogation. Explain the scene for us. Well, this room actually surprisingly doesn't look like the normal interrogation room. That's usually pretty stark, grey walls, and that's it. This is actually like a warm coloured room. There is, you know, a pretty table, like it's a round wooden table that, 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 you know, could be in any office or could be in anyone's home. There's actually prints on the wall and there's actually a nice lamp in, in the corner beside a printer, which is unusual, on, on a nice lamp, um, on a lamp table. So she's sitting there on one of the uh, chairs. There's three in the, in the room, though. You can only see two in shot. And she has, like, her head slammed down against the, the table. She's looking like she's almost asleep. She, she's got her hair sort of flowing out behind her. She's dressed in just a casual tee and, and some white pants. You know, there's actually no one else in the room when this tape starts. And so she's sort of watching the door, just sort of seeing what's going to happen. And we can hear noises outside the door that you expect to be the people that are going to walk in, but they actually don't, and she doesn't respond to it. Now, with her head down on the table, we would expect her to have her arms up, but they're actually still handcuffed behind her back. 
black. So she sort of um, is in this odd position which sort of belies what she should be going through. She should be freaking out that they're going to in- interview her about Travis's murder. But she's just lying there quite calmly and then she suddenly sort of gets up and sort of kicks the chair off to the side and then pushes it so then she can lie on the floor with her, her back up against the wall with her, her handcuffs still behind her. And she's actually quite... Um, quite flexible and and we'll see that throughout the interview that she gets into these weird contorted positions while she's being interviewed now um what's also important here is that her hair is sort of a a light brown color and when we see footage of her before and after like at at court she had this really nice cropped hair glasses on everything and the photos with travis she's actually got quite blonde hair so this is sort of an in-between color that sort of is part of her journey that that she takes She, she seems to go from the blonde with Travis to this very dark in in the courtroom, so it's quite strange that that that's part of that journey. So um, while she she's sort of sitting on on the floor, a um a plain clothes officer comes in and does not actually re- respond to Jody sitting on the floor, but she sort of tells her to get up and sit on the chair that they need to start the interview, and she actually asks if she can have her handcuffs removed. Um, the female officer says, yeah, um, Detective Flores, who's about to come in, will take them off for you, but you need to get up and sit on the chair. So she does that, as she was asked to do, and then she puts her head back down on the table and that's where she stays until Flores comes in. Well, after the officer reads Arise her rights, she does something strange. Have a listen to this. You know, if there's a question that you don't want to answer, you don't feel comfortable, you can say no, you know. Or, you know, you can elaborate as much as you want. It's completely up to you. It's at your speed. I don't want to pressure you. Is this recorded at all or Um, should we? I don't don't know know. if there's a recording or something. I don't know if these are voice recorders. I noticed them. If they have video, they have audio or batteries or what? I don't think they're on. Okay. Yeah, I haven't touched those or anything, but, uh, oh, okay. um, this is really odd the way both of them are discussing it. Why has he lied? I know it's quite odd. Now, he knows that this room is being recorded and there will be a camera up in the corner where she should be able to even see it. So it's quite surprising that he doesn't tell her, yes, it is being recorded, and the fact that she was too too dumb to realise it's being recorded. you know. But she goes and gets these recorders and she plays with them like she's in control. So it's about her sort of saying, you know, well, here's the recorders, I'm going to tell you my truth and so you may as well get it down on tape. But she has this strange energy. She's like a, like a child that's had too much sugar and she's sort of bouncing around and she's a bit whimsical and flippant where he's just read her, her rights and literally told her that she has been arrested for the murder of her ex-boyfriend and she's more concerned about if these tape recorders work. Mm. Well, she then starts talking with little prompting from Detective Flores. Her first conversation is about posting on Travis's social media following his death. I know that a lot of people have been posting on Facebook really nice things, you know, and memories. And at one point I was like, well, maybe I should do that. So I posted this thing and I just said all my memories. And I realised looking back on it that it was kind of, it kind of sounded immature. It's more like my dear Travis kind of letter. And so I took it down because... More personal? Yeah, some of it was details that were a little more personal. Not too personal, nothing inappropriate. Just, um, I just felt funny. I think because I'm a photographer, I tend to communicate more with the pictures, so I posted a ton of pictures that I had of him. Um, and I have a ton more that I just can't access right now. And videos and things that I know his family would want. But, um, 
so I posted pictures and I took that down and I posted something last week. But other than that, I've been on Facebook and MySpace a lot, looking at his profile, looking at his pictures, reading things um, about his obituaries and um, any news updates. And, you know, there's Legacy.com where you can write something about yeah, him. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of those postings. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize until I actually spoke with Ryan Burns. He he told the guy that's in Utah, and we've been talking a lot. And we try not to talk about that because it's kind of like, Ugh. and plus Travis is my ex-boyfriend, but at the same time he's my friend. So while I'm mourning my friend, how do you talk to your new potential possible maybe person that you might start dating about your friend, even though he was your ex-boyfriend? So it's kind of a gray area. I try not to talk about him too much, but he comes up a lot. No. Travis and Jody had actually broken up, right? Yet she seems to be posting everywhere about their relationship in memorials. It's weird what people do after someone's death, and I can say that people did that with Steve's death too, I have to admit. It's it's pretty weird what some people do. But Yeah, yeah so that's it, not an indication it, of a being a killing. There's this attachment people seem to like to have to uh, an event like that. Absolutely. It does happen a lot, and anyone who, who's dealt with, with a sudden death will tell you that, that people sort of don't know how to cope and so they sometimes latch on to things like this. But with this case, um, Travis had actually spoken to his family and friends about her because she was stalking him via Facebook and MySpace, you know, which is all there kind of was back then, you know, and she had been posting stuff all the time and photos and knew where he was and she'd turn up and all this sort of stuff that she did because she was still totally and utterly obsessed with her. So the fact that she says, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd talk to my new boyfriend about this, you know, it, it's still freaking weird, you know, and, and yes, it doesn't, mm. it doesn't, show her guilt but it does sort of tell you that you know that she was so obsessed beforehand and her his death should have sort of created mourning in her but instead it was more like look at us look at us it was not about him it was more about her and him together so um there's a bit of narcissism there and and as she was saying you know oh because i'm a photographer i prefer to talk in photos well that's going to be a major part for this case Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mm. Well, the conversation continues and she volunteers some information very quickly. And it was through him that I learned that he said, you know, if you come out to Utah, things are really weird because everyone is everyone thinks that you could have had a, um, a hand. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people and everybody's pointing a finger at you. I know. You know, everybody is saying, I don't understand what happened to Travis. I don't know who killed him. But you need to look at Jody. And sometimes the simplest answers are the correct ones. And that's one of the reasons I started looking at you a little bit closer. And over the last month or so, I, I, I've gotten into Travis's life. 
talk to all his friends, his family. I got a really good understanding of who he is now. And I got a very good understanding of your relationship with him. And I'm kind of just putting two and two together. Well, I and, and, it, and it kind of matches. So one of the reasons I'm here is to talk to you to figure out what was going on between you two? What I know the relationship that you guys had was of convenience sometimes. Obviously, you weren't boyfriend and girlfriend anymore, mm -hmm. but you were still having a sexual relationship, which, Does you know, his family know about that? Just curious. No, just his family doesn't know anything. Okay. That's interesting. She's more worried about his parents knowing they were still having sex but barely raises a response to being essentially named a suspect in his murder. Yeah, and this is the weird thing that she's going to do, that the emotional responses she gives to certain parts, it, it just proves that um, this isn't normal and this and this screams of her, her being a suspect. But, you know, when he said that she was a suspect, she sort of weakly shook her head but didn't do much more and you know she basically mm. ignored it and kept going on you know she she did move slightly and she started to sort of like hug her arms arms close but she had actually said that the room was cold so we you know that might not be a gesture of self-comforting it could just be um that she, she was basically cold but her voice remains passive and it's emotionless so you know it actually reminds me of the interviews that we covered with susan atkins don't you think yeah, actually, you're quite right. There's the same sort of um, mannerisms about them and the and the speech patterns in a way. Exactly. So it's like you know you you hear this meek voice and you assume that there's something gentle and passive about them, but we know that when they are pushed to that point, if when they're inspired to do what they do, they can go there. But they think that this meek and mild voice and and being shy you know, is is there to convince people that they're not killers. But, you know, we've seen it before. <laughs> Certainly you have. Well, the interrogation then moves on to their fractured and unhealthy relationship with Arias, describing what they had was basically booty calls. But then there was a shift in the interview. Financially, I wasn't doing well. I missed my family. I moved away um, shortly after high school and I come back to visit, but I realise over the years I've missed out on a lot of things with my little brother and sister. I missed out on just uh, their karate or their baseball or cheerleading or just whatever. And um, and my dad is not doing well. He doesn't think he has very long to live, but he always says that. It's been that way for like a decade. He's still here, thank goodness. Um, my grandparents aren't getting any younger, and I just have an awesome family. And I wanted to be able to just be here for a little bit and regroup um, financially. I owe my parents a lot of money and I owe my grandparents a lot of money and I owe friends money. I owe, I owe my, um, the guy that I bought a house with, I owe him a lot of money. He doesn't ask me for it, but I intend to pay him back because he really footed the bill on the mortgage for a few months. Um, and the third reason, and I like to put this third because I like to think that second of those reasons, I would have been strong enough somehow. But the third reason was to put a distance, a physical distance between Travis and I, because I know that he really liked Mimi and he said he did. Um, he just, 
and I kind of felt guilty. I mean, I know they weren't dating, but I just felt guilty somehow, and I didn't know Ryan at the time. What was that? It was a bit fake, wasn't it? Oh, my God, wasn't it? You know, it, here she is talking about her family and, you know, that th this is going to be devastating for them and, and so she's crying. But as soon as she starts talk talking about Travis, there is no emotion. She loses that crying. It's almost as if the interview is cut together, but it's not. It is totally two, like, sort of different ends of the spectrum she's almost yeah. happy to talk talking about him but you know she also said you know i owe this person money i owe that person money i owe this, my family my grandparents my everything like she's an absolute freeloader and and this is <laughs> what she does she, she sort of leeches off everyone and you know when you do that and travis was one of her free rides you know of course you're going to stick around obviously something happened that that made her do this but it could just be that he said yeah thanks but no thanks and go away and she just responded although she was with him on that final day of course so um, oh, yes. he hadn't kicked it to the curb completely yeah, but it was booty calls. You know, there's there's part of the tape I don't think that we're actually playing here where he would just sort of send her um, a, a text with Zeds, you know, Z, Z, Z. So, you know, like, oh, I'm sleeping. But that was to for her to come over. Or is it is that the way she interpreted and just turned up? I mean, she's basically a bunny boiler, that's for sure. <laughs> well, Detective Flores asks about the seriousness of the relationship and after Arias went on and about preying on their relationship and how Travis felt like... He'd missed the matrimonial boat. She spends the next 20 minutes talking about religion and relationships. Don't worry, we're not playing that all for you. <laughs> yeah. um, but she does play up her faith and includes the first soundbite we used. But look, here's a, just a small section as a taster. Did you guys ever discuss possibly getting married or anything? When we were dating, we did. Okay. Once we broke up, he brought it up. He actually proposed to me. A lot of times, but he wasn't serious. Um, I think he was he was serious once, and it was when we broke up, and um, that was really hard because we were on the phone, and it was just like none of that stuff should be done on the phone anyway. But I was hundreds of miles away, and um, I told him that I loved him. We didn't say I love you during our relationship, but we said it afterward. It was weird. Okay. Um, I uh, um, I said, you know, this isn't breaking up with him on the phone wasn't really the way I wanted to do it. But it was kind of a situation that had just come to a, a point where it just couldn't be ignored anymore. And well, let's move to after the breakup. Oh, okay. What, uh, what kept you in Mesa at that point? I actually moved to Mesa a few weeks after we broke up. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, as far as the timeline goes. but. I mean, if you want to call it our official breakup, shortly thereafter, it's like we were still seeing each other. So you guys were seeing each other, but it was a long-distance type relationship. It was always long-distance when we were officially dating. We didn't re date We dated from about the beginning of February to about the end of June. So okay. February, March, April, May, June, about five months total. Okay. But then, as the detective goes through all of the other relationships Travis has had and calling him a bit of a player, he brings up the planned Cancun trip. Originally, he was taking Arias, but then he changed the plus one to another girl. So, you know, moving over to his trip to Cancun that he was going to, um, 
when did you first find out about that? That he was going with Mimi? Oh, I didn't find I found out about that at his memorial services on Monday. It was the Monday night memorial service. Okay. So you didn't, you didn't know that he was going to Cancun? I knew he was going. Yeah. Okay. You didn't I, know he was taking Mimi? I didn't know that. I think that's awesome, actually. Yeah. Um, well, unfortunately, Mimi had called him a week or two before and uh, I told him, look, if you want to take somebody else, it's fine, but I have something to tell you. I don't look at you that way. Mm -hmm. I don't look at you as a boyfriend. If you want to be friends, we can be friends. And that really broke his heart. I know. Um, I mean, he didn't tell me that, but I found out from his bishop afterward when I talked to his bishop. That was interesting. Yep, she just lied. And the way yeah. she tried to cover it up was, you know, that it was an accidental double speak, but it wasn't. You know, she had heard about his trip at the memorial service is what she said. And then she says that she knew that um, the new girlfriend had called it quits, then changed it and said that she'd heard it at the memorial yes. service. So, yeah. <laughs> Look, let, let, let's play that again because this is really interesting. I know. Um, I mean, he didn't tell me that, but I found out from his bishop afterward when I talked to his bishop. She was quick to pick up what she'd said and yeah, retract she, it in a way. But she was at a higher pitch to say, I know, and then she went back into the, oh, you know, I heard about it later. It's very quick, but this is what happens and this is why they re record these so then they can go and watch it 100 times and find all those bits and mm. pieces. And and Flores is excellent for this because he knows this case better than she does. And there is so much that he can just throw back at her that, you know, there's none of this, oh, yeah, we'll get to that later. Oh, they might be doing this. Oh, no, we might have found that. Flores knows every single second of this case. He knows who was where, who knows who, who was dating this person, who was there. He is so thorough that there was no possible way that there was any reasonable doubt with this. So even sort of small things like that, he has picked up on it and he'll use that again later. Well, after almost an hour of discussing their on-again, off-again relationship, the detective changes tact. You've kind of given me a really good uh, rundown of your relationship and um, how you guys thought of each other and stuff. And, and I was pretty, pretty close to right on with my, with my theory on how you guys, you know, why you continue to see each other and what was going on during that time. Um, I think there's some other things that you're not telling me. I think. I think maybe you were, the jealousy probably continued even after the fact that you moved away. Um, for instance, the, uh, was it the week of the, well, the first week of, of June, you took a trip to Salt Lake City. Remember that trip we talked about? Oh, this year? I yes. was I'm thinking back. Um, <clears throat> yeah. you, had, you had left, I think it was like a Monday. Monday, June 2nd. Monday, June 2nd. Yeah. So he sets the bar telling her that she's lying without actually saying that she's lying. Yeah, I mean, she she sort of doesn't respond, but she sort of furrows her, her brow a bit, you know. He's, he's talking about the trip to Salt Lake City in June and she gets confused, like, hello, it was, you know, two months ago. And this is because her mind's re reeling now and, you know, she thought her narrative was going well and was believable. But, you know, Flores just, just sort of keeps calling her out and saying, you know, mm. oh, well, I've spoken to everyone else about this. She thinks that she's coming in as just, oh, you know, because I dated Travis, I need to be interviewed. But she is there to never leave. 
Well, then Arise goes over a trip she took the week of Travis's murder and claims she ended up going through several states as she got lost. The detective lets her talk and draw a map. Then he calls bullshit. So you, you took this trip and you left on, was it Monday the 2nd? Right? And you didn't get to Utah until Thursday, you told me. Yeah, I got to Utah on Thursday. So Thursday, and that's the 5th? Mm, yeah, I think so. so. Monday, that's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, yeah, 5th. Okay, so we have, it's like 48 hours there that, well, obviously three days, but there's plenty, there's 48 hours. So this trip took you a little over 48 hours. So. Um, I have a problem with this trip. Well, I went first, too. Yeah, I know. Okay. I know you went down here. Okay. I mean, obviously, Wairika, right there. Beautiful little place here, except it's kind of smoky. Yeah, I can't yeah. see the views. <laughs> I was hoping to see some mountains, but... You really I should see, see Mount Shasta. Okay. I've gone over this trip over and over in my mind and on paper. And even if there's still 20 some odd hours, even if you pulled over to sleep a couple of times. Oh, did I tell you that I got stranded? Yeah. Okay. You mentioned that. If you slept for 10 hours. I only slept for Here and hour. here, it would still leave 18 some odd hours something else okay this is what people are focusing on is this trip that you took because they're saying she left she didn't get to till thursday wednesday that's when travis was killed i did not go near his house isn't there aren't there i pulled your cell records your cell phone was turned off between here and here, okay? But the last place it pulled it was here. The next place it turned on was here. What does that show me? Oh, well, I began, oh, no, no, no. Is there plenty of time for you to do that? Yes. And I, do I believe that you had come to visit Travis? Yes. I truly believe it. Did you have the opportunity? Yes, you were traveling alone. There's no other witnesses. Your phone just happened to turn off from here to here. Well, I didn't turn it off physically, but it died. And then it magically, you, oh you found your charger here? It was, it was under the, packed under the seat of the passenger side. And it was when I was... When you were lost, you couldn't have maybe pulled over and found it, or...? Well, I did finally start looking when I was stranded. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have pulled over when I was lost. Okay, this, I've been focusing on this and going over and over my mind. Why this happened. Why your phone turns off here, outside of Los Angeles. What city is that? Because I got towards, as far as... Um... There's no cities, there's towers. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I got... There's towers dotted all over this place. Yeah. One tower hit here, the other tower here on the 93. There is no way somebody can get on that 15 and magically get on that 93. 
because that 15 goes right through Las Vegas, right there, and continues this way. It never goes through Arizona again. I, I got off before Las Vegas. I didn't get the, back on. The 15, you'd have to go to Las Vegas and then come down south, go through uh, Boulder City. I went um, through Boulder City going north. Did you cross over the, uh, the I know. dam? Uh-huh. You didn't think that was odd? You were crossing it over Arizona? Well, after I, fi I figured out it was lost by then, and I found, okay. I found the 93 and then found my way back to the 15. And this tower here, it's not just over the border in Arizona, it's quite a distance inside of Arizona that it hit. Because there is a mountain range all along here. And if you're on this side of the mountain range, pretty good distance, that signal's not gonna come, not gonna hit Utah or, Utah, uh, or Nevada or California. It's only gonna hit in Arizona. Well, I had somehow gotten off the 15 and got onto the 40, okay. is what happened. Well. The only way you can get on the 40 is if after you cross the bridge or the, uh, the dam. I think, the, I think I got on the 40 in California. From the 15. Well, like, because I had actually gotten, I actually began to drive the 10 west. But you see what I'm saying? The confusion that we're having. And, and we'll come back to this. Well, I got on the 40 somewhere over here. In California. Yeah, and continued to drive this way. Realized I was not in the right place at all. And then I got onto the, the 93 North. And then I hit the 15 again. And then I went through Las Vegas and then St. George and then on to Utah. Okay. That still doesn't make any sense to me. And I can pull the maps and show them to you. And you can go over and over and over again. But I don't think you're being completely honest with me about, about that trip. I honestly got lost. It's bad timing. Bad timing indeed. He's really putting the pressure on, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And she's trying to have an answer for everything. You know, she's getting desperate. She's basically wanting to say, what part don't you believe? So I can give you a different answer. You know, so, so she sort of says, you know, I was lost. I got stranded. I ran out of petrol. You know, I had to sleep. I went this way. I went that way. And he's got an answer that that sort of counteracts what she's trying to say. So, mm. you know, he has gone through this trip every which way. He knows where things pinged on her phone and all of this and when it was turned off and turned on. So she's knowing that he is one step ahead of her. And even at the end of all of this, he sort of gets his notebook where they were scribbling on this map that she had created and had left actually Nevada off the map as well, one of the states she went through. That's a whole different section. You know, but he gets his notepad, sort of flicks the page over to say, we're done with that story. I don't believe that, so let's go on to have the next of your lies. Well, then he asks the question. Were you at Travis's house on Wednesday? Absolutely not. I was, I was nowhere near Mesa. I was nowhere near no. Phoenix. <sighs> I wasn't even close to him. Um, what if I could show you proof you were there? Would that change your mind? I wasn't there. You can be honest with me, Jody. I was not at Travis's house. Was not. You were at Travis's house. You guys had a sexual encounter, which there's pictures. 
I know you know there's pictures because I have them. I will show them to you. Okay? So, what I'm asking you is for you to be honest with me. I know you were there. Are you sure those pictures aren't from another time? Positive. Absolutely positive. The last time I had any kind of sexual contact with Travis was in April. Remember I told you about the camera? That camera was damaged. Someone put it in a washing machine, ran it through a wash cycle with some clothes of Travis's. But the card's intact. Remember I told you that card was destroyed? I didn't want to tell you the truth because I wanted to make sure those photos were accurate. And we can pull deleted photos. I don't care if you delete them six months ago. We can pull every photo that was ever on there. Pull the little pixels together. Get the timestamps on them. Not all of them, but most of them have timestamps on them. And we can verify those timestamps. Mm -hmm. And I have pictures of you in Travis's bedroom with Travis. Pictures of him. And it's obvious you guys are having sex. Taking photos of each other. And they're dated and time-stamped on the day he died. Are you sure it's me? I mean, because I Joey, was not there. It's you. And you know it's you. I know all the details of this case. The only thing I don't know is why. Why did you choose to go visit Travis that day? And why did you do what you did? Why, Travis? You did. You hurt him. That's why we're here. That's why I flew up here. Because I needed to talk to you about this. I can just arrest you and throw you in jail, but I want to know why. Why did you do this to him? I wouldn't hurt Travis. He's done so much for me. There's so much evidence in that house. So much, and it all points to you. I, I lived there. I was there for months and months and months. Mm -hmm. I know you took pictures of him in the shower just before he died. I don't think he would allow that. Mm -hmm. And the camera actually took a couple of photos by accident during the time he was being killed. Really? Yeah, Joey, really. I, I have to say, terrible thing that we're discussing here, but my God, it's getting juicy, isn't it? We're talking about a murder. And you've sh shown me those pictures. Yep. So if they can pinpoint these pictures to being the date he died and... There is, they're, they're very explicit. So mm -hmm. to try and deny that they're her, I mean, you can see her face. She's completely naked. They're sexually um, provocative. Um, 
they're intimate. Yep, it's um yeah, the photos of her, it's way up in her space. <laughs> so I mean I mean, even in in one part, um later on in this interview, the officer actually even says, I know where you have a mole, you know, like that's how juicy these yeah. photos are. Yeah. You know, but right at the end there, you know, her voice changes because she was unaware that extra photos were, were taken before she chucked the camera into the washing machine. And so, you know, she Is this is the point she thinking, knows it's up? Because this is the moment she's discovering new information and evidence that they have. Yeah, and it's crazy. I mean, she, if she had taken this this card, they really don't have a case. Yes. It's this card with the timestamps that actually changes this whole thing. And, yes, this is the moment. Her brain is now reeling. She would be going into, like, fight or flight. She would be um, panicked inside. She is no longer cold. You can tell that because she's actually quite warm now and sitting very open because she knows now that it's coming, that she didn't know about the accidental photos and tossing that camera into the washing machine did nothing. And, you know... She is finding out that she can try and explain away, you know, get getting lost on on freeways and things like that. But these photos that are time stamped and have been retrieved, she has no response to that, and so she is shocked and and can't prepare an answer because she's been totally sideswiped by this. And so, you know, the officer just knows that he's got her. Yes. So. The detective, knowing he's heading in the right direction, keeps pushing. You were there. Quit playing this game. It's time for you to just come out and, I and didn't tell know. me. I, I did not hurt Travis. Another slip up? Yeah, it was. I mean, she, she's still thinking about the photos and her mouth is saying actually what her head's thinking. So she knows the pressure is now on. And so her responses are going to get a bit shortened purely because she needs to tread carefully because she's heard herself make a few slip ups. So now mm. she has to cut down those big, long winded, oh, you know, because we used to pray before sex and all of this, that's gone. She now has to go short and tight and hold her cards tight. Well, Detective Flores then writes down his list of evidence and puts it in front of Arias. He will not hurt Travis. I wouldn't do that to him. We have the pictures. Can I see the pictures? We have your blood at the scene. You're here with blood at the scene. Since April, right? Mm -hmm. He's had the house cleaned several times since then. 
And this hair was not just a hair, you know, from the shower or something. This hair was stuck with blood and obviously had blood on it. At the time I got stuck where, where it ended up. My There's hair would no have been way. all over. There's no other hair. Can you take, can you take a hair sample? And we like, have your DNA. No, 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 but I mean, like, you know how they could do drug tests and find out when things were done? No, can you? we can't do that. Can't you measure the time? We maybe? have DNA matching that hair to you. Okay, I know, but my And that hair had a follicle on it, and that means that that hair wasn't there very long. The follicle will usually dissipate and go away after a certain time. It'll fall off the hair itself. Well, when I would okay. brush my Joey. hair there, I mean... This one, you absolutely cannot, can, cannot explain that away. You either had blood on your hand and you touched the wall, or there was blood on the wall and you touched the blood. Could my palm print have already been there and I touched it? Jody. Jody, this is over. This is absolutely over. You need to tell me the truth. Listen, the truth is I did not hurt Travis. Okay, so we're Joey, safe. you can continue to do this, okay? A records check shows you that you uh, has reported a, a gun stolen. 25 auto just happens to be the same caliber as the weapon used to kill him. A 25 auto was used to kill Travis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, along with multiple stab wounds. This is... It's almost like she keeps asking the detective for ways to get out of this. You know, like, could my palm print have already been there? Is that an excuse I could use? You know, like, she's trying to come up with answers, but she really doesn't have any. And she keeps saying, I didn't kill Travis. It's like, well, if I say this enough times, you'll eventually believe me. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's he's actually being forceful with her. Like, whenever she tries to talk, he just talks over the top of her. He does not want to listen to what she has to say. And now if you were trying to get someone to confess and you don't have all of this evidence, you would listen to every word they yes. say. He knows what she's going to say. He knows it's cut and dry. This is just almost a formality that they have this interview because she is guilty of sin and he has all the evidence. So, yeah, so she's trying to say, well, this is a possible scenario, isn't it? You know, like I'm not denying that my palm print's there, but I'm trying to tell you 12 other ways it might have got there. And I get the hair thing, you know, I have long hair and I can't take three steps without my hair being everywhere. But as he says, this is like a, a, a fresh follicle. It's not some de degraded hair that was sort of down the plug hole three years ago. You know, so, so she keeps trying to say things and he just talks over her. It's like, yeah, unless you are confessing, I'm not going to listen to what you're saying. You know, mm. and this is why, you know, some interviews that, that, that we um, analyse, we sort of go through it and go, oh, my God, these officers don't know. This guy knows this case more than uh, anyone he else. He knows yeah, the case and he good. knows the result and he knows yeah. what he's after. 
Yep, and I think we've had Flores before on another interview. Uh, it, he looks and sounds familiar and his name um, rings a bell to me too. So I think that we've seen him do another in- interview that we liked as well. So, but he All was right, Monsterites, con- let us know. You'll all, you've all listened. Let us know if we've had Detective Flores before. I'm sure Monsterites? We have. I don't know. I just made that up. <laughs> I call them MWMers. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I like that better. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Flores, he pushes her into an interesting direction next. Have a listen to this. Joey, if you want, I can show you some pictures of him. Do you want to see pictures of him? Part of me does and part of me doesn't. Why, because you don't want to remember? No, I Jody. just, there's a morbid curiosity. Jody. I wanted to know how he died. We can keep playing these games over and over again. I'm not going to when right. you start telling me the truth, Listen. then I can believe you. But I can't deny this evidence. I can't. The trip you took doesn't make sense. The opportunity was there. Your pictures on that date with him. Your blood is in the house. Mixed with his. Mixed. Not alongside, but mixed. Your hair is there with blood. And your palm print is there in blood. It's over. Could it have been my blood from before? Your image is not important right now. Saving the rest of your life is... Listen, if I'm found guilty, I don't have a life. I'm not guilty. I didn't hurt Travis. If I hurt Travis, if I killed Travis, I would beg for the death penalty. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. It's getting, it's just getting, it, there's just no plausibility here now, is there? No, you know, and, and everything he sort of tries to feed her, she she takes it and runs with it, you know. Yeah. The dramatics are all there, you know. In, in the footage, she's sitting on the chair with her, her legs up and, 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 and crossed in front of her like she's sitting on the floor. You know, she, she's got her hands on her knees and she's sort of leaning forward so, you know, like your elbows go out to the side. You know, it's a, a stance of dominance and she's actually trying to be dramatic with her answers. But um, Flores just sits there and totally ignores all, all of these um, dramatics that she's coming up with because it, it, it's doing nothing to help her case. And she just sort of runs with whatever he sort of tries to guide her through, you know, literally saying, do you want to see the photos? Because I got them, you know, and she just goes, oh, yeah, yeah oh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's fascinating. It's really fascinating. I tell you what, there is a lot more to hear from this young lady and the way these two play cat and mouse. It's very, very interesting, and you'll hear more in the next edition of Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Amanda, it may have been a challenge to get to this episode, but I'm sure glad we have. I know, me too. As I said, I come to this case with with a bias and... um, it didn't take long, you know, two and a half hours through the first tape and I had already changed my mind and understood why she's one of the most hated women in America. Mm. Well, make sure you catch Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions next week when we continue this fascinating case with Jodie Arias. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.